0: Good morning, uh, Seven Mile Road Church family. How are you guys doing? Good, 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 good. Hey, it is, uh, it is so great to be here. Um, man, uh, my name is Sujit Jacob, and uh, I am uh, from Oklahoma City, uh, or I, I've been living in Oklahoma City for the last uh, 14 years of my life. And I'm um, uh, I, I, I married to my beautiful bride, Cheryl, and uh, we have three small kids, uh, Elijah, Ezra, and Anaya. And uh, uh, man, I miss my family, but I'm so great to be here. I'm so I feel so great to be here. This past uh, two days, man, it's so just so encouraging, so refreshing for my soul to gather with people from all across uh, the country and. And sing praises to our Savior in in eight different languages. I got to, I got to sing in Malayalam. You know, Sibi convinced me to sing in my my soul language. You know, I just I just recently started thinking in English. So anytime anytime that I get to sing in Malayalam, I'm like, man, this is great. You know, so. Uh, so yeah, advance was great. Thank you so much for praying uh, for advance man i 'm so grateful for you guys. the way that you have supported your leaders, the way that you have released your leaders to go out there and serve so many different churches. Um, so many of you volunteered and served man I, I know that our team felt really loved and served by your team so I praise God for this family. So let's uh, uh, let's continue to pray that God would God would do great things that would outlast all of us in this room, and uh, and that, that the the Lamb of God who is worthy worthy of uh, the reward of His suffering would be glorified, you know, in all of this. So so praise God for that. I want to give you guys a quick update on Mumbai. I know that you guys have been praying for us as a, fam- uh, as, a as a as a church. I'm grateful for you guys. Uh, in January I was here, and uh, since then. Man, we are, we are seeing steady progress. We are seeing the God's hand of grace upon this plant. We are starting to see more people come and be a part of the core team. There's a few families that's moving with us from Oklahoma City to Mumbai. And uh, my ask is, like, really, really small. Like, hey, approve your life from here and move with us to Mumbai. And so... So we do have three families that is that is uh, strongly drawn by Lord and by the Lord to to actually engage that call, and so we're grateful for that. We have uh, some a few people in Mumbai that is uh, considering to come alongside us, and so please keep praying. I just stepped down from my role, uh, my specific role of leading a ministry in Frontline Church to starting a church planning residency. Uh, and we've sold our house, you know, so it is, uh, it's, it's, it, things, are, things are progressing. So, a couple of ways that you guys could be praying for us, you know, one, pray for all the families that are transitioning. You know, we are, we are having conversations. My boy will be 12 when we make the transition. Being 12 in any part of the world is hard. And so, especially as they move from a small community to 20, a, a city of 23.5 million people, pray that we won't lose our minds. So, uh, and, uh, and then uh, pray that God would add more people to the co-team. You know, Mumbai has got 1.5% evangelical witness. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And then pray for India. India is getting ready for elections next year. And things get really crazy and wild and violent, you know. Usually before the uh, election season, it's the largest voting democracy. 800 million people voted, you know, for the last election. So, um, so as as we as the country is preparing for that, pray that the Lord's sovereign hand would guide the course of India's future. So pray pray for us, um, man. Before we before we jump into the word, I just I just can we take a moment to just pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to center our heart around Jesus and center our heart around God's word. So Father, we thank you for your kindness. Jesus, we thank you that you are such a perfect shepherd. You know our needs and you meet with us and you feed us and you guide us and you lead us and you protect us. And so even this morning, Lord God, we pray that you would help us to be fully present here. We pray, God, that you would, uh, you, would, you would help us to enjoy you, to cherish you. God, as we walk away from, from today, as we walk out of this building, Lord God, as we step into this week, Lord, help our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you widen our hearts and deepen our hearts, Lord God, to, to receive more of your love. So change us, transform us, meet with us, empower us, edify us, encourage us, strengthen us through your word, faithful king. In Christ's name we pray. So uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity of uh, visiting uh, Memphis, Tennessee with uh, one of my friends, one of our fellow elders, uh, Ernest, uh, and uh, we, we were attending a conference there, and uh, as uh, we do for most conferences, after the conference, we went and we wanted to explore the city a little bit, and, Ernest decided to take me to Beale Street. And so so I have not been in the country for so long. I don't know if my fake Indian accent betrays that. But uh, uh, I, uh, so Ernest was giving me a, a, a tour on, on, um, on Memphis, Tennessee. And so he told me that Beale Street was... Uh, that was uh, ho- home to the blues, you know, and so he he gave me the history of all that and, and I told him that i 'm not really into blues i 'm more of a bollywood kind of guy, but, uh, but I was excited to go to Bill Street and so we went to Bill Street, and as we were walking down the street, there were street performers everywhere, and then there was a, there was a few uh, musicians, a few older African American gentlemen on the side of the street, and they were playing music and, and as I, I, I mean I, I stopped there to just listen to what they were playing and and then I, I, was just so, I was just so impressed and I was just drawn in because they were so engaged in what they were doing. They were so passionately playing this music that, that they clearly loved. And I think that, that I, was, I was planning to be there for a few minutes, but after an hour, I'm just mesmerized by the way that these gentlemen were playing this music. And they were completely oblivious to the growing crowd around them. And And I walked away from there as a diehard fan fan of the blues and so I, I say this I, I bring this up, I say this today, because sometimes sometimes observing someone loving passionately loving something stirs up our own affection for the object. sometimes observing someone just loving something so passionately and so engaged will will stir up our own affection for that object. And my prayer this morning is that as we, as we, do, as we read uh, together Psalm 23, as we look at Psalm 23 together, that, that, that the Holy Spirit of God would stir up our own affections for Jesus. As we look at, uh, in one sense, when we look at the Psalm, what we're doing is we are, we are pulling back the curtains of time and we are leaning over history and we are eavesdropping on David's devotion and affections for the Lord. And so our prayers that the Spirit of God would, would use that moment to stir up our own affections for Jesus. Now, if you are a, if you're a skeptic in the room like me, sometimes when we look at Psalm 23, we, we feel like, man, this is such a, such a perfect moment. You know, David's, uh, David's devotion seems so disconnected from the, the reality of our str- struggling spiritual life. It almost seems like David one day woke up and he 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 had some he had some you know coffee and he he had this what would Jesus do coffee cup and he went outside and s- sat on the porch and opened his ancient King James version of the Bible and then just such a perfect moment and the angels were singing and, and then out of that came Psalm 23 and that seems so disconnected from the reality of our own faith life our own struggling faith life if that is the if that is the illusion that that religiosity plays on our mind i want to assure you that that is so far from what is happening here in this text to put things in perspective david is a david is a man who was who was familiar with suffering he had a rough life like as a as a child as a young boy david's david experienced rejection from his dad when when the prophet samuel came knocking on his doors or knocking on the david's dad's doors and, and asked for, and, and, and he, they were trying to recruit the next uh, king of Israel. They were trying to look for potential candidates for the next king of Israel. And when the prophet Samuel came, David's dad paraded all his older brothers and even forgot, even forgot that he had a son. He had a younger son called David. That's a bad day. Like when your dad forgets that, that you are a part of the family, that's a bad day, right? I mean, so David David, has, David is familiar with with, with uh, suffering. And David is family with rejection. And then as a young man, David, David has gone through the loss of his wife. And, and the loss of his best friend. And then a season of his life, he spends as a fugitive. Running away. Running away. Or being chased by one of the most powerful kings of the nation. King Saul. And then as an older man, David had to confront the darkness and sin of his own life. When he committed adultery with his best friend's wife and had him murdered to cover that affair. And most Bible scholars would, would agree that, that when this psalm was written, David was in the camp of Mahiniyam, in the military camp of Mahiniyam. And outside of, outside of that camp, David's army was locked in a fierce battle with the army of his oldest son, Absalom. And so this psalm comes from a place of pain and a pra- place of fear and a place of anxiety. It's, it doesn't come from a perfect place of things being, being pretty and perfect. So in the first half of the psalm, David compares himself to a, to a sheep and his relationship with God. He compares himself to a sheep and God to a shepherd and in the second half of the psalm, David uses the metaphor of a, of a, a royal host. God as a royal host and a warrior king. It is interesting that out of all the, all the metaphors that David could have used, David chooses uh, to use the metaphor of a sheep. Like sheep is the most unimpressive of all animals, right? Sheep is completely vulnerable to all dangers. Like sometimes I, I wish that the Bible actually uses the language of sheep and shepherd quite a bit. You know, talking about Christians, the Bible calls us sheep, Right? Sometimes I wish that the Bible used a little bit more impressive metaphor. Like Christians are like the saber-toothed tigers. Like if you mess with them, they will maul you, you know. So, or maybe like, you know, like we are like the werewolves. The Holy Spirit come up, comes upon us and then you need to pray for my sanctified imagination, you know. That's what you need to do. So, but sheep are such unimpressive animals. Like there's a sheep on the other side of the door. Watch out. You're like nobody cares, you know. So, so the, and, and, and. It is it is it is interesting it is interesting to me that David here uses the metaphor or the analogy of a sheep and a shepherd. So why would the most powerful king of the ancient world use the analogy of a of a sheep and shepherd to describe his relationship with God and and what does the Bible communicate to us about ourselves through this metaphor? Let's read uh, through Psalm 23. And what I want to do this morning is I want to read uh, sections of Psalm 23 and then let's pause and let's take some time and let's, re- let's try to unpack it a few verses at a time. So uh, uh, Psalm 23, verses one through uh, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So just in the, in the first Three verses, David, David paints the picture of a good shepherd who cares for his sheep. Because David has spent time in his life as a shepherd, and so David knows very well that the quality of life of a sheep is completely dependent upon the quality of its shepherd. And so David here, David here describes that and, 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 and reminds us, the readers, that a good shepherd cares for his sheep. You see, sheep lack the internal survival instinct you know to survive in the wild without a shepherd sheep has a sheep does not know what is good for it so it, it 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 wanders aimlessly around and sometimes it's distracted by anything and everything and starts to eat anything and everything in and 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 sometimes it ingests things that are harmful to it and without a shepherd the sheep sheep also so the sheep does not know when to rest So without a shepherd, the sheep just aimlessly wanders and sometimes in the the Mediterranean heat succumbs to heat exhaustion and dies. And so without the care of a good shepherd, a sheep cannot survive. But here, David paints a beautiful picture of a shepherd that knows the need of the sheep. A shepherd that actually cares for the sheep enough that a shepherd would provide for the sheep. A shepherd would lead a sheep not into raging waters that the sheep may drown, but to gentle still waters. Because the sheep doesn't know the difference between raging waters and gentle water. And here is a shepherd who, here is a shepherd who is so mindful of the sheep's need that the shepherd makes sure that the sheep does not run past green pastures. But the shepherd who makes the sheep lie down in green pastures so that the sheep remain healthy and that its strength is restored. If we take an honest inventory of our lives this morning, you and I are so much more like sheep than we want to admit today. We have, we have a restless and wandering hearts, and we feel, from time to time, we feel the weariness of our souls. And the restless, the wandering heart and the weariness of our souls come together to attest to the fact that, man, we need a shepherd we are created for the care of a shepherd. Our souls are created for the care of a shepherd. And sometimes, when the when the, uh, the the check engine light on the dashboard of my soul is is going off, I don't pay attention to that. And sometimes, what we do is we try to we try to we tr- the temptation is to either the temptation is to either uh, distract ourselves with busyness, or the temptation is is to medicate the awareness of our soul. And I, I have to confess, I had to come clean this morning. Like I, I am, I. These, these are, these are real temptations for me. So we all, we all are familiar with this. Sometimes we, we, when, when, when our souls are weary and exhausted, we try to distract ourselves by by adding on more smaller projects that we can do, or or we try to do, we try to work extra. Or sometimes the, the worst of temptation, I think, is when we try to, and I, I, I I've struggled with this, I try to look for more ministry that could maybe comfort me in, in, the, in the face of the awareness of my soul. We try to do all different kinds of things to distract us from the awareness of the soul, from the awareness of our soul. And then another thing that we do is we try to medicate the awareness of our soul. We try to binge watch our favorite show. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up and I'm like, man, that was not a good idea. I should have gone to bed. Sometimes the most godly thing to do is got, go to bed, you know, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a godly time. So, so it is, uh, some, we do all kinds of things. Sometimes we take vacations. as say vacations will, 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 will care for the awareness of our souls. Have you ever been to a vacation and then you come back and you're like, man, I need a vacation from my vacation? None of these things are designed, none of these things have the capacity to care for us and take away the awareness of our soul. Because awareness of our soul tells us that you and our our souls have been created for the care of a shepherd. Not just any shepherd, but the kind of shepherd who knows our wandering nature. The kind of shepherd who can patiently deal with us. The kind of shepherd who can lovingly rescue us from ourselves and bring us back to himself. The kind of shepherd who can keep us in his fold. Jesus, our loving shepherd, he takes care of us. Jesus not only gives us saving grace, but Jesus gives us sustaining grace. He gives us, he gives us sustaining grace for our very souls. And, and, and sometimes we forget the, the, the simple sustaining grace that he gives us on a daily basis. He does that through, through the work of his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God reminds us of the, of the depths of the forgiveness and love of God. Love of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God brings us back. It's the kindness and the mercy of God that even leads us to repentance. When the soul is weary, when we attempted to medicate it, when we attempted to distract ourselves, the Holy Spirit of God invites us to commune with our Savior. Invites us and reminds us that there are there are fountains of grace that is available for us. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God sustains our very soul. And then we have the Word of God. The Word of God builds us up. There is power in God's word. The Word of God builds us up. The Word of God edifies us, directs us, counsels us. The, the good shepherd feeds us through his word. Then then there are the sacraments that Jesus used, the means of grace. When we come to the come to the table on a Sunday, when we gather together, when we come to the table on a Sunday, or or maybe during the week when you meet in your community groups, when you come to the table, when you hold when you tear that piece of bread and when you hold that wine or grape juice in your hands, and 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 and, and you are reminded that that you are fully received by a holy God because of the finished work of your Savior. You are reminded that that your very souls have been created for the rest that Jesus Christ offers. Christ himself becomes our rest, our Sabbath. And then finally, he he provides for our very soul. He takes care of our very soul through the community of the church and through the under-shepherds. He has given us the gift of each other. We've been been invited to a, a large, dysfunctional family on this side of eternity a family that is being made perfect by the finished work of Jesus Christ. God is, Jesus not only, only uh, reconciled us back to the Father, but he's reconciled us to each other. He's given us the gift of each other. And my prayer is that we are, or we are, in, we, we, we are creating a culture where when the awareness of the soul hits us, we don't, we don't retract in isolation. But we, we bring that to the table and we carry the burdens and the weariness of each other as we are created to do. God invites us to live in this imperfect community. And this imperfect community and the way we love each other becomes a witness to a watching world on how much Jesus loves this world, how much he pursues us. And then he's given us under shepherds. He's given us the imperfect men to shepherd our souls. As people that are under the care of as people who will one day have to give an account to their king, who can, who can receive grace daily from Jesus and point his people back to the sufficiency of our great shepherd. Jesus gives us sustaining grace. Now, not only is the, 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 the good shepherd providing and caring for a sheep, but the good shepherd also protects his sheep. Look at the next verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A good shepherd protects his sheep. David also knows that the survival of the sheep depends upon the proximity of the shepherd. You see, I know that, uh, you know, um, um, you know, I know that I'm from Oklahoma, you know. um, We don't have a lot of sheep. You know, we have a lot of cows, you know, I'm not from Scotland. So it's, uh, uh, I have, as I was, as I was learning, I mean, as I was preparing for this, I learned a lot of uh, helpful and unnecessary information about uh, sheep and shepherds, which I'll be generously sharing with you guys, you know, throughout the course of the sermon. So a faithful shepherd knows the exact count of the sheep that he has in his fold. And every now and then he will find that one or two sheep has wandered away from the fold. And then he will secure his fold and then he will go after this wandering sheep. And he calls out to this wandering sheep. And sometimes he finds because the shepherd knows that the sheep will not survive. It doesn't have anything that that is required to survive in the wild. So there are actually predators that are actually counting on the the nature of the sheep to, to leave the shepherd's fold and come out. And so, so a, a faithful shepherd would actually go pursue the sheep and would pursue after the sheep. And sometimes the shepherd would find the sheep being threatened by the presence of a wild animal. And a, and a faithful shepherd would use the staff, a, a long wooden sickle-shaped uh, 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 stick, and would f- use that to fight the, the, the threat, the wild animals, and then bring the sheep back to the fold, to the safety of the fold. Now every now and then the shepherd would go out and start calling out to the sheep and the sheep knows the shepherd's voice. And, and, And every now and then the sheep hears the shepherd's voice and instead of coming into the safety of the shepherd's arms, the sheep will go further away, will run further away. And these are times when the shepherd will have to outrun the sheep. And will have to and and even after outrunning the sheep and grabbing the sheep, the sheep starts to thrash and wiggle. At that point, the ultimate ultimate uh, 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 ultimate uh, action of love at that point is the shepherd takes the rod and breaks the legs of the sheep, and the shepherd then then carries the sheep on his shoulders and will bring the sheep back to the fold. And then the shepherd will take uh, spend time nursing the sheep back to health because he's a loving shepherd. Much like what David is saying here, you and I, you and I, we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, meaning difficult places from time to time. And there are times that we find ourselves in these places where we are vulnerable to all kinds of dangers. We We have at least two enemies of the soul that is counting on our nature to move away from the shepherd's fold. We have enemies that are external to us. Now, I know, that, I know this, that sometimes it's offensive to our modern sensibilities to talk about things that we can't see or we cannot logically explain. But the Bible does not shy away from telling us that we have an enemy of the soul. John 10 reminds us that the Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. There are demonic forces that hates God and hates God's people and hates God's people because we bear the image of God. Hates people because we bear the image of God. And there are there are forces, there are spiritual forces that are actively working against God's people. But I want to, I want to remind you. That I know that it's a, it's a Halloween time is coming, and there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, like really uh, cheesy horror movies, you know, on on a, um, um, whatever channel you know that you guys watch. I don't know. I'm really scared of horror movies. I don't watch any of that. But uh, the the truth is, sometimes Hollywood portrays that you know like the demons get to negotiate with Jesus. That's not how it works. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to one. And he sits on the right-hand side of the Father. And there is no demon, no devil in hell who can come against the authority and power that our Savior wields. He protects his own. He protects his own from all forces of evil. And then there are not just enemies external to us, there is an enemy internal to us. There is a sin nature that we've inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve, and this is working against us. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. He says, in my innermost being I delight in the law of the Lord, but then there is another law that is fighting against me. And so so there is an internal enemy. And this sin nature causes us to doubt and causes us to rebel and be blinded to the goodness and sufficiency of our Savior. And we sometimes hear the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit of God and we we have over time, we keep moving in our rebellion and we keep going against our conscience and we learn to drown out his voice and start to hear all the other voices that is competing for our affection. And we start to move away. And sometimes we, sometimes we numb ourselves, we close our ears, we close our conscience to the voice of God speaking through his word. The voice of God speaking through the counsel and, and care of community around us. And if you belong to Jesus and if that is where we are headed, make no mistake. We have a loving shepherd who's not afraid, who's not afraid to interrupt our plans, who's not afraid to step into our flight, who's not afraid to use, to use his rod. He cranks up the heat of his pursuit. I have, uh, I talked about this at advanced. too. I have, uh, as I mentioned, uh, t- um, three kids. Uh, both my boys were runners. Both my boys, uh, they, you know, they, they have a lot of energy. They love to run around and when they were, when they were toddlers, you know, they had this built-in GPS. They know when the front door will open. I don't know how, but, you know, what, no matter where they're, even if they can't see, when the front door opens, you know, they know. And then what they do is, they would make a beeline for it. And they were just, and we have, we, we lived in a neighborhood where there's a lot of young people who are celebrating the fact that they just got their license. And so they are driving like crazy, you know. So, um, so my, my, my boys would, would, anytime the front door opened, my boys would run. And then they would run straight into, into the, the traffic or straight into the streets the boys don't my boys don't know that there are there's, there's dangers they, they, they don't know that they could be crushed by 300 pounds of steel they don't know that reality. they don't their minds have not matured enough to process that so they would run straight into the into the streets and not once have me or my wife said hey let's just watch and see what happens you know we've never been tempted to do that Every time, every time, by the grace of God, we see that we would run after them. We would interrupt their plans. They have a clear plan. And, and they're, they're actually executing this plan as they run out in the streets. And my wife and I would run after them. And I would, I would, most of the time, just before, because they're fast. You know, I'm faster, at least now. And so, you know, I would outrun them and I would grab them right before they hit the streets. And then I'll put them on, place them on my shoulders and bring them back to the safety of the house. And as we start to do that, as I start to grab them, man, they melt down. They would start crying out loud. And they would start, they would start hitting my back with their little pounded fists. And then they would start say, saying things like, bad daddy, you know. And, and, but the most loving thing as a, as a father that I can do is to interrupt their plans. Is to outrun them and is to grab them even against their will and bring them to the safety of the house. We have a good shepherd who is not scared to use, who is not, not scared to interrupt our plans and step into our rebellion and rescue us and sweep us from, save us from ourselves if it means saving our souls and bringing us to the safety of his fold. Now, it is interesting that the next verse, David David. Uh, Transitions. Now he uses the uh, metaphor of God as a royal host. Read verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David now looks at God as a royal and gracious host. As I mentioned earlier, the, there, is a, there is a raging battle when this psalm is being written. The, the, the armies of David against the armies of Absalom, his oldest son. And David knows this, that there are no winners today. If David wins, that means Absalom will be murdered. And if Absalom wins, that means that David would be murdered. And so I can't, now none of us know what exactly David was thinking at that moment. But I think it is fair to say that David, David does anxiety. He doesn't know the future there is anxiety and there is probably fear. And there is, I, I can only imagine as a father, I can only imagine if David might be thinking of Absalom as a child. I, I wonder if David, David might be thinking about the choices that he had made. Could he have been a better father? Is this, is this a testimony of his failure as a dad? I don't, want to, I don't want to force too much interpretation on scripture, but I think it is fair to say that David is surrounded by fear, surrounded by anxiety, surrounded possibly by shame or guilt. That's the worst place that a father can be, chased by his own son, wanting, his own son wanting, wanting to murder him. And in that place, in the midst of all these enemies, in the midst of fear and shame and guilt and anxiety, David takes his eyes off of himself, not denying the reality of what is around him. David, David says that in the midst of that, God has prepared a table before him. God has prepared a table before him. In the midst of that, he finds solace in the fact that he has a spot on the table that God has reserved. God is not telling him to get, you know, get his act together and then come to the table. In the midst of the enemies around him, God has laid a table before him. And in addition to that, David also tells her the ultimate victory of God. The last verse that says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Here, David paints a picture of a warrior king, a king who actually goes to battle. Not all kings went to battle, but a warrior king would actually lead his army and go into the battlefront. And a warrior, a warrior king, once a warrior king is victorious over battle, the warrior king would come, come home with, in a triumphal procession, come back to the homeland in a triumphal procession. And he would have, he would have the, the enemy king, the defeated enemy king, paraded. Their their defeat would be celebrated. He would have the enemy king paraded behind him. And behind that, he would have the enemy army as prisoners of war. And then behind that, he would have all the spoils of war. And then he would have his army and his people celebrating the victory of this king. And so David is here comparing God to a warrior king returning home. Much like David, we live in a world where we experience the effects of the enemies of God. Sin, Satan, and death—we feel the effects of sin, Satan, and death in our city, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. We 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 have all things that we have. We we see poverty. We see homelessness. We 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 see uh, uh, systemic injustice like racism. We see suffering. We see the effects of the enemies of death in 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 our city, and then we see the effects of the enemies of death in our own struggles, in our own sin struggles. We see a heart that is constantly trying to rebel against God. We, 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 see, we see the effects of shame and sin and guilt in our own hearts. And in the midst of that, this psalm reminds us that if you belong to Jesus, in the midst of whatever you're going through, He prepares the table before us. You see, Jesus is our suffering Savior. He knows what His family was suffering. He's acquainted with grief. He's not distant in our suffering. He's not distant in our temptation. Hebrews reminds us that we have a perfect high priest who sympathizes with our weakness because he he has resisted temptation. He knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it is to suffer because of which he can prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He can invite us to feast on grace. And then in addition to that, if you belong to Jesus, we have a future hope. We have a future hope that there will be one day that Jesus will return as we sang, as, we, as he has promised Jesus will return and on that day his enemies will be completely defeated. We will be saved from the very presence of sin. All things will res- be restored back. Imagine that day, imagine that day for the church, the, 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 the Jubilee day for the church. and the, That day when, when our, our warrior king will return and he'll have sin, Satan and death paraded behind him. Because they would be held captive. No longer will, will they be able to tempt. No, no, no longer will they be able to, a, 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 able, able, able to bother the church. And you and I, we get to the things that we struggle with today. Whether it's temptation or addictions or whatever we struggle with today. You and I will be able to mock those things. In the presence of our Savior. When we we'll will we'll be rescued from the very presence of sin. Imagine the day when we'll, we will get to celebrate with our Savior his ultimate victory. One of my favorite verses uh, in, the, in the New Testament is uh, Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And it reminds us that the, that the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus Christ will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Another version says that Jesus will destroy the enemy by the breath of his mouth and the splendor of his coming. The splendor of our King's coming will destroy the enemy. We have so much to hope for. He gives us sustaining grace today, and there will be a day when all things will be made right. There will be a day when His enemies will be completely destroyed. So Jesus offers us hope today. So as we bring things to a close, I, I I want us to remember our. I want us to remember, not just in this moment, and my prayers that the Holy Spirit will remind us as the cares and demands of this week starts to knock at the door of your heart, the Holy Spirit will remind us that we have a shepherd who cares for us. We have a shepherd who fights for us. He protects us. We have a a gracious host, God, our gracious host, who prepares the table before us. Whatever this week has in store for you, remember that we have a gracious host that prepares the table before us in the midst of our enemies. And then remember that there is a day coming when our king will return as he's promised. When he will take captive all, all captors and when we get to celebrate with him. So as we conclude today, how is it that wayward sheep like you and I get to experience the care and love of a savior? The Bible teaches us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have a sinful nature. As in, our, in our fallen nature, we are enemies of God. And how does, how does enemies of God how, is, how are enemies of God brought back into the family of God? How do we get to, in, how do we get to be invited to the feast of God? I think for that, we, we need to look at Psalm 22. You don't have to turn here. I want to read a few verses. We have Psalm 23 because of Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is a psalm of our suffering Savior. Jesus Christ's words. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my chest. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue stick to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus Christ faced the valley of shadow of death and he cried out to the Father, and for the first time, there was no answer. There was no response. Jesus Christ was given over to the 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 to 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 receive the punishment that you and I, you and I deserve. He he faced the 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 just and righteous wrath of God the Father towards our sin, and he was he was he was uh, he was broken on a, a Roman cross in our place for our sins. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there was no response. There was no response so that if you belong to him today, that you can cry out with confidence that you would be heard. Our Savior was rejected that we be received into the fold of God. This is why, this is why wayward sheeps, this is why the enemies of God now have a table, now have a seat with our Savior. This is why we have been invited into the presence of the Lord. This is why we have hope that God has given himself inseparably. Jesus Jesus has given himself inseparably to us by the work and power of the Holy Spirit of God. Because of the finished work of Jesus, the Spirit of God reminds us constantly to keep running the race. He strengthens us. When When our forgetful, when our hearts forget, when our hearts start to wander, when our minds are tired, the Spirit of God brings to mind the sufficiency of our Good Shepherd. He strengthens us. He he meets us in our awareness because of this, because our, our, our savior, our king was broken on the cross that we be received into his fold. So today, if you belong to Jesus, no matter where you are, I just want to, as we end, I want to remind us that if you belong to Jesus, you are an adopted son, daughter of God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you belong to him, your walls are always before him. He has carved your name in the palm of his hands. And you are, you are, you are ne- never forgotten if you belong to him. No matter where you are, what you're going through, he's, he's closer. His nearness has been promised to us. We can go to the throne of grace with confidence that, that when he, when he breathes his last, the temple veil tore and, and God no longer lives in the temples, but God lives in the hearts of his people. His nearness has been given to us. If you belong to Jesus, know that no matter what you are struggling through, you can walk confidently in community today. You can carry each other's burdens and you can walk in the, in the freedom of being known and loved and accepted by each other because you are known and loved and accepted by Jesus Christ. He calls us to walk in His freedom. And then if you are here and if you are exploring the claims of Jesus in the preaching of this word, God is not moving away from you. God is moving towards you. So if you are in a place where you are, you, are, you are wrestling through the claims of Jesus, that's a good place to be at. Man, there are leaders here. When we close the service, we would love to talk to you. We would love to talk to you. There is still more space under the cross. There's still more space under the cross. God has got a, a, a the, the, the receiver of grace is not exhausted, cannot be exhausted. So if you're here, we would love to have a conversation. We'd love to have a conversation of what, that, what it means to follow this Savior. So let's, let's today, let's pray. As we close, let's pray with great confidence that Christ is for us, that we love him today because he has loved us first and drawn our hearts towards him. Great Shepherd, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your, the way that you care for us, the way that you protect us, the way that you fight for us, the way that you provide for us. So, Lord, we pray, God, that you will, you will continue to strengthen us, to encourage us, Lord God, that you would continue to... Lord, we, we pray that you will continue to give us grace, Lord God, that we may run this race with diligence. We pray, God, that, you would, uh, that, that today, that your mercy would lead us to repentance, that you would help us, even as we come to the table, Lord. help us, Lord Jesus, to be strengthened by your strength, that we may walk this week in the freedom of your love. We love you. We trust you. Help us to love you more. In Christ's name we pray.